everybody and welcome back to another episode of Attitudes with Andy. Today I am with a very entrepreneurial man. He is the man behind the podcast Before the Money. He has a very cool fashion label brand called Anarchy and he is just an all-round good bloke. It was a very short uh, intro today because the man doesn't prepare his podcast so I thought today I'm not going to prepare the podcast and see where the conversation goes. So the person who I have today is Jack Williams. You. Thank you for having me. And um, I'm loving the loving the sporadicness of this, just mm. going in, guns blazing. You know, we can't prepare for life. Whoa, <laughs> he's already dropping bombs. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to chat to you because your podcast, I feel like when I first listened to it, I was like, damn, this man asks freaking good questions. And the fact that you don't prepare those means that you're really listening and you're just like, oh, this is what I want to ask. Um, so what I want to kind of start with is obviously uh, from what I know, you are a very entrepreneurial man. Your housemate says that you haven't had a, like a normal job or you've been self, self-employed for like. Since about grade nine. That's since about grade nine all right well that's the beginning point let's start at grade nine okay um well I suppose the entrepreneurialness starts earlier than that um but if you want to get like literal with it grade nine was when I registered my first business but I I was just interested in I wouldn't even say money because as much as I love money and I respect it, I could not give a flying fuck about money. I love what money gives us. I love things and experiences and connection and stuff like that. And if we could have all that without this currency that we've pulled out of thin air and told is worth something, brilliant. But unfortunately, the world we live in revolves around currency. Mm-hmm. So I started doing things from grade six, grade seven, making like flyers to do gardening and shit like that. And then... I'll, I'll shorten this story because I'm sure there's heaps of more interesting stuff we want to touch on. But um, eventually I started getting my friends and stuff from school. My mum would bring them out on a Friday night. We'd have a sleepover, eat heaps of junk food and shit like that. And then Saturday and Sunday we'd just be gardening in the neighbourhood. And then at the end of the weekend I'd just give them a whole bunch of cash for everything <laughs> they'd done. And I just like it felt like the biggest boss move. But not only because... I was doing quote-unquote like business things, but more so because it showed me how fun business can be with the right people. Like we literally just spent all day Saturday and Sundays listening to music, laughing, fucking around, and then at the end of it, got paid, you know? Yeah. So to me, I was it set the standard for like, this is what my day-to-day should be like. I shouldn't drive to work, sit in traffic, do a job that I only partially like or maybe got caught in a rut because I was sold the dream that I had to do this shitty thing on the way to my goals. So, yeah, that really set the standard for me and I feel like that's why I kind of didn't settle in lots of ways when I went throughout building my career. And, like, there's lots of negatives that come with it. Like, I have given up on things way too soon because 
I'm like, no, can't do anything if I don't enjoy it. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. And there's a part of that you need to love, but there's a part of that that's like, no, you just need to suck, suck it up and do some shit stuff from time to time. So, yeah, there's lots of, lots of different things that have molded me. But going back to grade nine, um, it was actually a business assignment that um, we had to do. We essentially had to build out like a pitch deck, pitch it in front of our class and I put, like, heaps of effort into it because, you know, I was doing graphic design shit, just mucking around, like, doing all that stuff. And I put in so much effort into this pitch deck and company and all that kind of stuff that I was like, oh, I built a website for it as well. And I was like, okay, well, I've already built a business. Why don't I just do the business and see what happens? And it was Oracle Imaging Solutions. Which means fucking nothing. <laughs> I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but essentially what that was, that was like graphic design, um, which eventually transitioned into like paid advertising on social media, like Facebook and stuff. Um, but yeah, mainly graphic design. Um, and then what that took me to end up doing was the like grade 10, 11 and 12 I was doing all the graphic design and paid media for Shooters Nightclub, The Bedroom, Sin City. In grade nine? Um, grade 10, 11 Sorry, and grade 10, yeah. 11 and 12. Were you going into the clubs? No. No, no, no. okay. No. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, so I um, – it's actually like a scene out of The Godfather. The Jamie Pickering, the guy that owns like Bedroom and Sin City, mm. his um, office is above – those nightclubs on Cavill Avenue. Oh. And I walked into his main office and it's just like all glass on like one quarter of it looking down on Cavill Avenue and he's just got these huge bottles of Hennessy. It's like, and just, if you were to walk into some like big dick baller office and it was just so intimidating, like it was really cringe thinking back on it now, like all the girls that worked in the office were just wearing like super skimpy outfits. No. Yeah. Like it was, it was so whack. What? And like back when I was younger, I used to wear suits to every meeting because I was trying to compensate for being so young. Mm. So I walked into this office and he was just being like, I, I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but yeah. it definitely showed me that it's like, all right, people do want to try and use you. Mm. Um, because you're young. Like mm. I ended up getting what I wanted out of it, but the, the relationship soured eventually. Uh, but it was an awesome experience because I was constantly having to come up with new designs and forcing myself, like constantly YouTubing how to run ads. Like I would get positions and jobs from clients just purely out of ambition and then I'd go home and frantically try and learn how to do you're it. You're like, I swear in it, I know how to do this. And they're like, great, you got it. And you're like, fuck, I need to go learn yeah. it. But, you know, the thing is we live in a world where information's at our fingertips. Mm. Um, Alex Hormozy has like a really interesting perspective on this. Who's that? Alex Hormozy, um, he's like this super successful kind of gym owner. He's like... A large majority of people will probably know who it is. I don't okay. know, really know how to describe him, but he's okay. just a successful dude. He's super inspirational. Amazing. Um, Go, Alex. And he essentially has this belief that it takes 20 hours of focus work to become like proficient at any skill. But the thing is, most people take four years just to do the first hour because we, you know, tell these stories like, think about it like you could have been like, oh, 
I'm not much of a talker or I don't know how to use a podcast or I don't know how to um, distribute podcasts or I don't know how to edit audio, blah, 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 and never start the podcast. Or you could start with the most simple question on YouTube and go, how to start a podcast. Yeah. Spend five hours in going down a rabbit hole and you're 80% of the way there. Then the rest of it is just refining whatever obstacle you come up against. You YouTube, how do I get over this obstacle? And then all of a sudden that's another tool in your arsenal. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I'm not sure how we got onto this topic, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it. Yeah, we're flowing. I love um, how like... Fuck, your brain is so interesting. I can't wait to pick it apart. But mm. like, so you've been very entrepreneurial, like year nine. That's nuts. Like how old, how old is that? Um, uh, old enough. What, 13? No, 14? Maybe. Sure. <laughs> You're like, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, uh, oh, sorry, for some reason I thought we weren't recording. Um, what are your parents like? Because you obviously have been like, you. it seems like you have this attitude of like, I don't have to accept the norm and, like, I can do anything. Um, like, what helped create that mindset? Oh, my, my upbringing, for sure. Yeah. Um, my upbringing and also being, like, good at stuff early on. Like, although it's something I'm dealing with, I don't necessarily like to do things I'm not good at. I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, it's like a blow to the ego, right? Because oh, you're like, fuck, I'm so shit at this. Yeah, but like my mum is an absolute G. So is my dad. Um, you know, travelled the world for like nine years when she was like 21. And then just if she needed more money, she'd just stop in New Zealand for six months, work, get money, then go up again. Like, yeah, she's she's so like against the grain. Like she, up until recently, she was quite conservative in business stuff like she didn't quite ha back herself mm -hmm. but that's balanced out by my dad like he was literally project managing high-rise buildings at 22 what like, the building of those so he's just like and super successful from a young age um you know started working really young because he hated school so he left school built like a construction company and just he just doesn't and I, I get this a lot from him. Like, he'll always complain about his work. It's like, the fucking idiots just can't figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. Just use two brain cells and figure it out. <laughs> so I've always been like, okay, you got to be good at figuring shit out. Mm. You know, just hearing him like, although it's probably not the best modeling, but, you know, it is what it is. No, because it teaches you, it's like, let's like think, put our thinking caps on yeah. and figure it out because there's always a solution. There's always a solution where I, I like watch some of his employees. They'll just throw their hands up. But I don't know how to do it. It's like... Yeah, but in 30 seconds, you could know how to do it. But that's the thing. That's yeah. what differentiates is like differentiates him from the employers is that he thinks like that. That's mm. why he's there. Yeah, and he's like, he, he has his faults in a sense where like he struggles to relinqu relinquish control. Like he still works more than anyone else in the company. Mm. And he's all like 58 something now. But that's coming from a place of him not trusting and building systems in his business. Mm, okay. You know? So that's a pattern that I'm noticing in myself, um, hence the conversation before we started rolling. I'm really making an effort to systematize my business now because I can see the patterns that I'm falling into that follow him in a sense where like I might as well do it because no one else can do it like me. Mm -hmm. And although that might be the case in this weird transition period, if someone else can do it 90% as good as me and I don't have to do it, 
that is 10 times better than me doing everything. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of business podcasts and that's one of the biggest things they talk about is like at first they're like, no, no, nobody else can do it, nobody else. Mm. And then they have to like learn to like trust and, and yeah. let it go. And I'm sure like you've po- – in how many podcast episodes have you done? 70-odd. Yeah, so you've yeah. probably spoken to a lot of business people. Do you find that they also say similar yeah, things? Yeah, uh, I think it's – see, it's not really a business until other people are involved. You know, in my personal, otherwise it's just someone providing a service. Mm. Like there's, um, there is like four elements to basically business. So like you've got your employee, your when you're trading your time for money, you're getting a paycheck. And then there's like the solopreneur or sole trader, all that kind of stuff. You're still trading your time for money. The markups are higher. You can leverage skills um, you can leverage equipment to boost your margins all that kind of stuff but still you're trading your time for money when you walk away things stop and then you've got a corporation or a company and when you're a company that's when you are no longer required you're just the puppeteer at the top like basically or the chess player moving pieces here and there um, so that you can get the best outcome with the tools at your disposal. And then the last section is investor, where you don't even have to move the chess pieces. You just buy the board. Fuck. Yeah. You explained that so well. <laughs> I just pulled that out of my ass. We love the honesty. Yeah. I was just thinking, I went to, I studied at university for four years and you just summarised it way better than they did. <laughs> well, it's, it's true though. And like, I a large percentage of people really are are scared including myself to make that jump from you know it's a huge accomplishment even just becoming a solopreneur or a small business owner like that's a huge accomplishment definitely and there is a large percentage of people that get so much fulfillment and stuff in that space but it is terrifying to jump from there into the company space where you relinquish control because all of a sudden you're now responsible for you know 50 families you know 100 families however big your dreams are you're now responsible for so many people and with that risk comes greater reward but it's also very very terrifying you know Mm. so i'm yeah I'm, i'm glad i'm so thankful there's been certain people in my life that have showed me the bigger picture early on so that although now i'm not in a position to jump from small business to company i can like move right now with the intention of when I'm ready, I can make that jump. I'm putting the things in place right now so that when the time comes, I can make that jump. But if you go through life without zooming out for a bit, then that time might come for you and you miss it. Because you're... Because you're just not seeing that as an opportunity, you know? Mm. So there might... there's And I know there's been so many times in my past where... There's been great opportunities and I've self-sabotaged because somewhere deep inside me, I've either not truly wanted that outcome or I thought I wasn't ready. And, you know, I I talk a big game in the sense that everything's figure outable, Mm -hmm. but there are things deep within your psyche that I'm just not sure why I'm unmotivated or why I procrastinate on this task. Mm -hmm. Then when you zoom out, you realise that, okay, well, sometime five years ago, you tried this thing and it failed and now you're scared to try it again. Mm. But that's not on the forefront of your mind when you're sitting down, breaking down this project. It's just like, oh, 
why do I always like leave this task to the last minute or you know you have this great client or you have a great boss and you just always piss them off because you're not following through with your what you said you'd do things like that that it wasn't a matter of your ability it was just purely something deep inside you anchoring you to the past essentially whoa Mm. you are so self-aware i love it it's yeah it's a journey but at the same time i'm not because the me thinking i'm self-aware gives me a sense of complacency that there's shit that i'm avoiding because i'm i'm self-aware i know what's going on but there's a whole nother layer and there's just infinite layers yeah, you infinite I mean? things to keep working on and stuff. Yeah. But that's the beauty of self-development. It's not like you arrive at like a destination. Mm. But I love that you um, said self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about that because that's something I've definitely called myself out on. Yep. And I think a lot of people do it, especially with like procrastination. Um, how do you how do you personally overcome self-sabotage? And also, when did you first realise like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging. Um, oh, all the time. Like, <clears throat> I remember when I first graduated, um, I was doing this project with a guy who is the head stylist for L'Oreal Australia. Awesome. And he owned about 20 salons on, on the Gold Coast and in Brisbane. And, you know, all the things were in place. Like, he was just releasing his collaborative hairline product with L'Oreal, all this kind of stuff. And then I just was so slow to respond to project deadlines and all this kind of stuff. Just like, Were you doing the videography for him? Oh, so this is back when I was doing, like, websites and branding. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so I was doing, like, the marketing collateral website and all that kind of stuff for the release of this um, hairline plus for his studios as well. And I was just being so slow to respond and, like, there was real n- no reason. I wasn't too busy. I just – the thought of me sitting down and doing that project, whatever it was, just switched me off and I was like, oh, I can't do it now. I just need to go take a break. It's like, bro, you just came back from a break, mm. you know, and it was just that small acts of compounding to the sense where he just stopped replying to me. And then, like, there's been heaps of instances like that. But what I've found is, um, hence going back to the systematizing aspect of it, I need to get super disciplined on not taking on shit that doesn't light me up. Mm, So the ability to say no. So you think you were kind of sabotaging not because you were like, this is a really huge thing. I don't know if I'm good enough. It was more like... I actually just didn't want to do this. Oh, okay. Okay, got it. So now you're like, let's be particular who we say yes and no to. Not just who, but what. Who is very important. Oh, okay. But what? Because for someone like me that's super active, I love communicating with people. For me to sit behind a computer and edit a video for eight hours straight, I'd just rather... Just rather not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say neck myself, but like, let's, let's be mindful. Let's be... Yeah. <laughs> not dramatic at all. No. Um, and so you just got to be mindful. Because like, in the early stages of a business, I, I feel like this will probably be mainly focused about business because that's what I'm accustomed to. But in the early stages of business, it's like, oh, this person wants me to build a website for them. How much? Yeah, cool. I'll do that. Mm. Oh, this person needs a logo. Yeah, I'll do that. 
Like, you need a video? Yeah, I'll do that. And you pull yourself in all these different directions for the opportunity of business, not for the love of what that business is, essentially. So that does a couple of things. It stops us from being able to build a clear product offering so that, you know, people can come to you as the website guru, as the video genius, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, like, but it also means that we will fall out of love with the journey. And, like, I've nearly done it so many times where I'm just kind of like, no, this is all way too hard. I'm going to get a job. And, like, and I've been battling this, like, not so much recently, but definitely over the last, like, four or five years. Maybe I need, like, a job for mentorship or to see how inside a business works, all that kind of stuff. And then once I get out of my funk, I realize that was just me trying to, trying to find a easier route, mm, if that makes sense. You're trying to take the easy path. Yeah. Instead uh, of the hard but right path. Yeah. but And not because of hard work. Like, in a job, you do fucking hard work. But I think when you're running your own business, there is the added idea of like, okay, I have to push the train and I also have to steer it at the same time. Mm. So that's like trying to wear multiple hats and it's mentally exhausting as well. Like there's fucking hard jobs out there and like the economy is set up in the way that it works, right? But I can only speak from my experience. So yeah, I feel like that was the biggest part of the entrepreneurial journey that was trying to steer me into a job is just like being so lost in a sense of like where I actually want to take this. Mm. Like I was just offering whatever someone needed because I had the mindset I can figure it out. I would just offer whatever they needed and fulfill on it. But I never really built my identity. Like when you think of, when I say the word Brad Pitt, what comes to mind? A hot man. (laughs) Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> okay, movie, actor. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a hot man. Hot man. <laughs> yeah. Jack's like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> he is, right? Um, so he's an actor, but I'm sure there's a million other skills that he has and probably is like world class at some other stuff as well. Mm. But he's an actor. Mm-hmm. In, in the minds of millions of people, he's an actor. Like Barack Obama. President. Yeah, literally. I'm sure he's done millions of other things. But he's a president. Mm-hmm. And then so when someone is like looking through their phone book trying to find a president to fulfill presidential tasks, <laughs> you know, they're going to call on Barack Obama because he's known as a president. Yeah. They're not going to call on him because he's a expert chef. <laughs> you know, he might be an expert chef, yep. but that's not the way the world knows him. Mm-hmm. So by spreading yourself really, really thin, you limit your degree of expertise at least in the way that the world views you yeah you know and in the early stages of business like that is so important like i just got off a sales call with a um sales coach and you know she was she was asking about like testimonials and all these kinds of things from past clients and like what i'm offering to her is brand new so i'm kind of like in all honesty like you're the first person i'm putting into this package um which I find it super important to be upfront, like when you're dealing with clients and stuff, trying to service their needs. But I was kind of like, yeah, to be honest, like you're the first person I'm putting through this package. Like I don't have the testimonials in this particular field. I don't have the results in this particular field. I can show you what I've done for my own business with this product offering, but you're the first client to run through it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, su- like really apprehensive because 
I'm not known as the person for this product offering mm, yet. Yeah. You know, but if she were to come to me and say, I want podcast production, what can you do for me? I was like, this is exactly what I can do for you because I'm the podcast guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, in the early stages of business, like as much as I really want to like say try it all, try it all and then find some shit and stick with it. You know. Okay, so like throw some darts at a board and see what sticks and yeah. see what is working for you. Yeah. Yeah. And not just working for you monetary, working for you spiritually and emotionally. Like it lights your soul on fire. Yeah, okay. that's the most important part because money isn't that exciting. Yeah. You know, money, once you use it, it's gone. You know what I mean? Like it's not that exciting. It's cool to earn it. It's cool to do your first $1,000 invoice and all that kind of stuff. But that wears off pretty quickly. Then you're just stuck with the work. Mm. Do you enjoy the work? I can podcast all day long. Like what we said before we got started, like I came in here super flat. It's been a big fucking few weeks. But I told you, it was like as soon as the mics come out, like this shit excites me. I'm here. I'm present now, you know? Yeah, I can feel that shift. (laughs) No, that's incredible. There's something about to say, but I'm, I'm not sure where we are in the conversation. I don't, I don't know either. I'm just like blown away with yeah. the way that your brain kind of thinks and how you're very like aware of the things that you do. It's really impressive. Um, do you have like a coach or somebody to kind of help you call you out on your bullshit? Not your bullshit, mm. but you know when like we lie to ourselves and it sometimes. Is bullshit. It yeah, is bullshit. Okay. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes it takes somebody outside of us to be yeah. like, oi. And then you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I've had lots of mentors. Like, I just started working with Morgan, like Morgan Nelson, for anyone who's who's listening, is an absolute G. Yeah. Um, I was like one of the first to run through all these coaching programs. I've done everything he's offered. And he was kind of like the first official mentor that I've had. Um, being a younger person in business, People are more. People are more likely to bring you under their wing, so like a few strategic partnerships I had early on um, have kind of been like mentorship for me. But in all honesty, like you don't have to pay for that shit. Find the right podcast. Find someone that you really resonate with. And like I'm going to go back to like the niche down thing because, say for instance, we'll use the example of you know, impact theory, Tom Bilyeu. Oh, love it. Oh, he's a, he's a weapon. Say, for instance, you come across his podcast and you just really love the way that he views the world and you want to, like, mimic that, just only listen to impact theory for a while. Just fully immerse yourself in the thinking of that person. That is mentorship. Mm. Same as, like, for books. If you find an author that has, you know, a large breadth of books, just read them for four months read them multiple times because the blessing and the curse of what we have in today's age is we have so many options like i can pull out instagram right now and be bombarded by five mentors quote Mm -hmm. unquote mentors right yeah and they're all gonna come at me with the best intentions but what i'm gonna what's gonna happen inside my mind is like this is too much i'm gonna switch off you know and you don't take in any of it and it doesn't really allow me to really immerse myself in one person's way of thinking. Now, that's a philosophical way of looking at it. We also have a thing in our brain called the... Um, having a biggest fucking mind blank right now. 
It is called... Reticular activating yep. system. Fuck yeah, I love the RAS. I always talk about the yeah. RAS. <laughs> so, um, reticular activating system looks out for more of what you've been feeding it, essentially. Um, so, when you're really immersing yourself in one author, one podcaster, one Instagram, one YouTuber, your brain is going to start being that person. So, be careful who you mimic because you will become that person. But at the same time, if you use it intelligently, that is a really, really powerful tool. So that is mentorship. It doesn't cost you anything. And that's been my mentorship. Wow. Are you very particular with who you follow on Instagram? No. Oh, no. I, I really curate my, um, my yeah. gram. But I like sometimes I know what you mean by like the three different yeah. mental coaches coming at you and you're like, oh, my God. And then I'm like, yeah. I need to take a break. But really. Yeah. So I love reading a book because it's not like mm. sometimes the videos are a lot. <laughs> yeah, they are. But the, the most important bit is just being able to go deep on something. Like mm. We can go wide all day long and get nowhere, which is what I did for ages. Like in business, I went wide, offered everything to anyone who would listen. And it wasn't till I first developed the discipline to say no to money mm. that the right money started coming. That's awesome. Let's talk about money. So what would you say your relationship with money is? Um, Up until recently, it was poor. Okay. Um, It was quite poor. And that was basically because I made some good investments early on that gave me more money than I should have had. Okay. So I didn't value it. Like um, certain things like, you know, if I bought a pair of pants or something online that were 110 bucks, like... They didn't quite fit and I wasn't going to wear them. I wouldn't send them back because it's just a hundred bucks, you know, just Mm. really, really unappreciative to Mm. money. Um, And what ended up happening was I lost it. You know what I mean? Like, and then I got into this place where I was now operating out of a place of fear and stress. And I needed that because I had to get back in the weeds and fight for my business rather than just coasting up top and like everything's daisy but it really wasn't it was just the fact that i had a cushion mm. you know what i mean i wasn't progressing i just wasn't in pain mm. so yeah. so you think a healthy amount of pain is good to get you like necessary it's necessary necessary yes like pain and discomfort is the only thing that moves us like there's a little bit of pleasure that'll boost us for a little bit but you think about it right like if you're you see like this beautiful daisy field over in the distance a couple of kilometers away like wow that looks beautiful but you're you're happy admiring it from a distance but as soon as there's a tiger behind you you're going to run towards the daisy field right yeah but that field might not be worth the two kilometer hike until there's something chasing you and that's Mm. that's the pain relationship pleasure is great to get us started but it wears out super quickly and we see that some kind of thing in relationships all the time like you know, the, you might fall in love with this dude or this, this chick that's just super hot and they're sexy and then you have fun times and stuff all the time and it's great. But then as soon as like some fights come up or, you know, the, the facade wears down, then, you know, you're not willing to put in the effort. Whereas like if you were to build a relationship where you both sort things out together equally, you, you fight maybe a little... I wouldn't use the word fight because I don't think fights are necessary in a relationship. Disagreements. You can disagree. Yeah. Like, 
and it still hurts. You know, it's still like, oh, this fucking person. Right <laughs> now, you know what I mean? But you can disagree and resolve it. Mm. Like adults, you're building that like a really, really solid foundation when it's not just like pretty pleasure, you know, because one day when they're not as pretty, sex isn't as good. It's like, what am I doing here? You know, it's the exact same thing with business and in life. Like you've got to fall in love with the discomfort and the hard conversations because that's the foundation. You know, you can't just have sex all the time. Your dick will fall off. (laughs) Facts. (laughs) Science. Science. (laughs) From Jack. (laughs) So I like that you've touched on the whole discomfort and um, it, it forces you to grow. Do you think there is like a fine line uh, as in like sometimes people will put them through themselves through discomfort but they've created that in their mind like when you were in your Mm. scarcity mind about your money Mm -hmm. whereas like I don't think mental discomfort is ever necessary like it comes up but I don't ever think it's necessary like and it's we're really one decision away from whatever we want you know we're deciding how we feel and i i'm apologize for anyone who has mental illness um listening to this because i i realize i'm oversimplifying in huge ways Mm -hmm. but when we really break it down it's it's a decision to be where we are it's a decision to think the way we think it's a decision to say certain things and when we can overcome the really really difficult first decision and to start to start the daisy chain of positive decisions, then that's huge success compounding. You know, success starts right now when we don't have anything. Because if you think about it, like in 10 years time, when you've got the million dollars, you've got the house and all that kind of stuff. If you're, well, first of all, you probably never would get there without building the positive foundations first. Mm-hmm. But say, for instance, by some miracle you did, think of how easily that house of cards will topple down if all it takes is you to, you know, start doubting yourself and self-sabotage and blah, 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 blah. All that kind of stuff, like, we need to deal with now when the stakes are low Mm. so that when the stakes are high, that's not something we're dealing with anymore. We're dealing with, all right, how do I do this million-dollar merger with this company I just acquired? You know, how do I, you know, tax-free this new fleet of cars that I just bought? Like, you're dealing with big problems. You don't have time to deal with am I good enough, mm. you know, when you get to that level? Wow, that yeah. is such a good point. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Mm. My mind just wants to, like, ask you a million questions. Mm. I see. I, I'm not sure if that was the actual question I, that I just answered. Well, I look, we were talking about, yeah. like, discomfort. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that I agree with. And at the same time, I also preach that, like, we are, like, happiness is at our core and it's our natural state right so Mm -hmm. then it's just like those two things Andy are like opposite but not really in the sense of like like I love exercise because Mm -hmm. exercise if you push yourself hard enough you get into the hurt locker Mm -hmm. and that's where you're like especially on a long run I don't know if you like running but I love running and I love it when you hit the point where you're like oh fuck this is really hard I can't do this (sighs) yeah bring it in (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so good. How good does that feel? Oh, my God. Why is it so 
it boiling in here? Like I told Jack to bring a jumper because it would be cold and pranked. It's hot. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, back to the story. Is I love running because you get into the hurt locker mm. and you're like, fuck, I can't do this. This is really difficult. And you start, like your mind starts like, you know, saying all that negative stuff. And then you like push past it. Mm. And then it's like teaching yourself. Well, I like to use it as a metaphor of like, you know, when things get hard, like you have more in you than you think. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like choosing your hard instead of like, you know, just accepting the life you have, living a nine to five that you don't even enjoy Mm -hmm. and doing all of that. I think that in the long run is fucking hard. Yeah, I'd agree. At, At the same time as well, like I feel like the reward that comes from getting over a higher obstacle far trumps the reward you get from chickening out you Mm. know although the reward might be instant by opting out like the reward you get from doing something difficult finishing a long run especially like if you're doing a workout and like you really don't feel good and you finish it you feel so much better after that than just on a regular day when you're like yeah i'll I'll go to the gym cool yeah why not you know what i mean like when you Mm. finish a workout and it was one you really didn't want to do. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's so true. Mm. That was me today because, as I said, I recorded a podcast this morning and it really, really like, took it out of me. I don't know if you've ever had, like, those podcasts where you're mm-hmm. like, whoa. And I was, like, super tired. And then this got pushed back earlier. And I was like, fuck, all I want to do is nap. And I was like, no, Andy, you said you were going to go to the gym. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'll go to the gym. But then it re-energized me and I felt fantastic. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of science shit around that as well. Yeah. But it's the same with hard tasks in business, mm. you know, when you overcome things that you thought were difficult, or especially something you've been procrastinating on for so long. Like there's literally wiring in our brain that triggers. It's like, okay, when I come up against a task that I usually chicken out on, the brain goes, all right, I know what to do here. We need to close the laptop and go get some food. Yep, that's what we've always done. So I know exactly what to do. There's no point even questioning it. Whereas, and it takes everything inside you, especially when you've built that habit to go, no, I'm going to sit here until I figure it out. And as soon as you make that decision, you'll probably figure it out a lot faster than you thought. But before in your previous mind, you're kind of like, uh, then I'll take too long. I'll go get food. But that just sets a channel inside your mind of, okay, I procrastinate, I procrastinate. And all of a sudden you start selling yourself like, fuck, I'm such a procrastinator. Well, it would probably start with a, fuck, today sucked. I've just procrastinated all day. It was useless, blah, blah, blah. I might as well have gone to the beach. So then tomorrow you get up with the mindset of being a procrastinator. And as soon as the first obstacle comes up, you procrastinate and then you procrastinate again and then you start getting really upset that you're procrastinating so you go on social media to numb it and then all of a sudden your brain's like yeah i'm a procrastinator and you find it really really difficult to break out of that rut and it takes that one really hard decision to just go not my bum is glued to the seat i'm not going to get up until this thing is solved and once your mind goes oh we make a different decision today wait what okay, well, forget food. Let's just figure this out so I can go and do procrastination shit. And what you find is like the brain forgets it's a procrastinator because you start to train it into being an action taker. And it's really hard to make those first decisions, especially when you've ingrained in yourself over many days, weeks or years to be a certain way. It really just takes that conscious thought. And like, I don't care. I I still do this. I have visual cues all over my desk 
all over my room, like all all of, in my computer. As soon as I open it up, like on the top of the screen and stuff like that, is all like my vision board. It's all my visual cues, things like that, just to help make that decision a little bit easier because. I still want to procrastinate all the time, um, especially when I get really busy. I want to procrastinate all the time because it's the easier choice. Mm, you know, I don't, I don't want to be working. Although I love my work, I don't want to be working. I want to be doing something that has no consequences. I just want to live in the forest naked and eat berries. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, but at the same time, I want to have huge impact in the world. So I just got to pick, pick my poison in a sense. Um, so I have to have cues that help me make that decision. And I've got to um, somewhat harvest my motivation from yesterday and tomorrow and bring it into today. Because yesterday when I wrote that visual cue, I was a fucking badass, right? I was just willing to do anything and everything to achieve my goals. And tomorrow I'm going to be that person. But right now I'm not that person. So how can I step into the shoes of past and future self? And that's why visual cues are so super powerful because you remind yourself, oh, wait, no, I am that person that takes action. I'm not the person that go gets a bowl, goes and gets a bowl of cereal every time something fucks up or the computer's taking too long to export or something like that. You know, there's lots of opportunities where our bro- like focus is broken throughout the day. So having those visual reminders like is super important. I'm wearing like the Dream Out Loud band right now from Morgan um because every time i look at that i'm put back in the room where i was like okay yeah i'm actually i'm an expert trainer i train from stage i'm a public speaker all that kind of stuff so i can step into the shoes of who i was three weeks ago i'm always that person but we're bombarded with so much information like how can you be everyone at once you know you can't Mm. Wow, it seems like you're very um, good at like kind of hacking your brain and understanding how it works or how like humans work, human behavior. I'm better. You're better. I'm better. I'm not good. I'm better than I was. Okay. Yeah. And you're just going to keep on yeah. getting better and better. It's um, very nice to also hear that sometimes yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to do that. I think a lot of people will see people's, you know, welcome to the day in my life of an entrepreneur mm. and see them, you know, at 5 a.m. I'm at the gym and and obviously they're going to show all the times when they were productive. It's just like, imagine if you made, you know, an ad of doing all the times they scrolled on Instagram or, you know. It would be a very boring video. It would be a very boring (laughs) video, but it would be real. And I think it seems, would you say that you're good at taking consistent, imperfect action instead of trying to always perfectly do everything perfect? That's something I've gotten better at this year. But again, the stories I was telling myself is like, oh, I'm a perfectionist. Like that is so damaging mm. because as soon as you keep telling yourself you're a perfectionist, then your mind is always going, this isn't perfect. Therefore, we can't pick it, put it out. It's a protection mechanism yep. because nothing is ever perfect. It's fear in fancy shoes. I like that. That's what someone told me. I was like, shut up. That's so cute. I like <laughs> that. And it, that's exactly what it is. And it, it's like... It's a way for you to opt out without damaging your ego. It's like, oh, I can't put it out because I'm a perfectionist and it's not perfect yet. (laughs) So therefore, I never put it out, you know. So that was just something that I had to really get over. And like before we started recording, I was telling you about um, like my new hires and stuff like that. And essentially, one thing that I've had to get over with bringing more people into the business is if someone can do it 
90% as good as me and I don't have to do it, that is 10 times better than me having to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So is this your um, anarchy? Um, so this is all for like the content studio. So anarchy. Wait, you have a content studio? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Didn't do my research very well, did I? Um, well, at the same time, I don't market it. Like I just service my network. Um, I haven't gotten around to marketing it yet. Um, it better just shows like a few key people can introduce you to the world. You know, when you form meaningful connections with the right people, like you don't necessarily have to market your business. You don't have to be doing social media videos every second day. You just have to provide value to the right people. And that was something that took me forever to learn. Well, you have to, to provide value to the right people. To the right people. Okay. Like I use Morgan, for instance. When I started working with him, he is so respected and trusted in, uh, in the network of successful people here in Australia that all it takes is someone going, hey, Morgan, who does all your videos and marketing? He goes, oh, Jack, yeah, I'll, I'll connect you guys. And all of a sudden, like, my sales calls from Morgan's referrals are so easy. It's just like how can I help you? And they're like, blah, 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 blah. whereas like when I'm trying to reach out to cold traffic that don't know me from a bar of soap, which I never do. Um, but if I were to do that, I should imagine it would be a lot more difficult because they're wanting to build trust for you. They're like, okay, well, how can you help me? Can you really help me? Like, how do I know you can help me? Do I really need what you're saying you can help me with? Blah, 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 blah. Whereas through the avenues of coming through like, referrals from trusted individuals like if my mum referred someone number one they're probably not going to be the type of client that I want mm. and number two mum doesn't know the fucking thing about content so <laughs> sorry mum <laughs> yeah like you know so it's about um providing insane value to the right people and not from a strategic stance although there's lots of strategic gain you get from something like this mm-hmm just out of pure love and joy and providing value to people, you'll see the dividends times 10. Wow. So yeah. it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's both, actually. It would be both. It's more so who you know. Yeah. yeah I'm like a big believer in that. It's, it's, it's hugely who you know. And I spent, like, so many years thinking that it was what I know and just constantly trying to get better and better and better and better and better and, better and not reaching out and forming that network that if I had just gotten 10% good at something and then focus all the rest of my attention on like building the network, number one, you learn a lot faster when you're working on high level projects, mm. no matter what that is, you get exposed to a lot more, you learn a lot faster, but also like people don't need world-class service, like in terms of the product, because especially like when content and things like that, like, you can do something that's really good that has strong messaging from a person of influence and that that video will go viral. But that video didn't need to be edited by a cinematographer that for, out of Hollywood to go viral. You mm. know what I mean? So just really... Sw- and I think that's a protection mechanism as well, thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough to reach out to that person yet. And you're just never, ever good enough to reach out to that person. Like I went through that with my podcast for ages like the first 20 or so 30 25 episodes 
I played it super small and I was just, I just got people on that I knew and had relationships with mm. already. And I didn't like reach out to people or if I did reach out to them, I'd be super pleasy and send them this big fucking long message because, and it was just so needy and gross. <laughs> you, know? you gave yourself the ick. Yeah, literally <laughs> looking back at that now, I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> but now like, and because I've put in the reps, because the podcast is getting the recognition, I can just reach out to someone and say, hey, I really admire what you do. Would love to set up a time to chat on the podcast. Let me know if you're keen. And the response rate on that is fucking millions of times better because I'm not like, hey, we could talk about this, 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 this. If you come <laughs> on, like, here's f- 10 dates you can do, like, morning. What what do you drink? Like, it's like, fuck off, bro. Like, I don't have time to read all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But oh, yeah it it just comes from an um, insecurity place and, like, yeah, when you when you move through the levels, you'll find new insecurities. Like I'm still finding new ones every day. Yeah, but it's just a, a matter of you know overcoming them. When you run out of things to overcome, you're probably dead. Whoa, mm. mic drop. Mm. Right. So you're a big believer in like surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I mm. look at like every year of my life, I swear, since school has been huge. And then like you look at the people who enter your life, and like the more you grow, the more you attract even mm. not not better people, but just better suited for your journey. Yeah. And then the craziest things happen. It's just yeah. And how have you found like as you evolve, and like your certain offerings and your needs and stuff in the world have evolved? How has that shaped your circle? Um, I mean, I've definitely become more aware of like who is like helping me grow and who maybe I need to leave behind. Um, yeah. And it's Mm. definitely like my friends have definitely changed like so much, which is sometimes hard. Mm. I don't know about you, but like friendships have changed so much and I'm like, oh, that's really hard. But I know that this is, and not in a savage way, like, oh, you're not contributing anything. But I think Mm. you just like feel it like it should be like a two-way street i feel a friendship yeah. i feel like you should both be like helping each other grow and mm. and better stuff. yeah i think like the the phrasing of like leaving behind um is what makes us feel bad but in reality it's just choosing to go different ways mm. you know yeah. because like you're not really leaving anyone behind they're going a different direction yeah entirely. yeah so like it's egotistical to think that they would even want to go in my direction. And that's Mm. something that I had to really like confront in my years. Um, Like my early years out of school, I like a lot of my friends are like, what do you mean you don't want to grow and be successful and all this (laughs) kind of stuff? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. Like, and that was just purely coming from my own projection of like, everyone should want to be successful. Everyone should want to grow and have impact and stuff like that. And that's really not the case. Like, I want that mm. and that's that's great for me but no one else needs to have that and yep. like by me you know playing small to fulfill like the ambitions of other people it was just really making me resentful in, in lots of ways and also like who who gives me the right to choose the way that other people should live their life in lots of ways like yeah you know? that's yeah I used to be very like exact same like I I was super judgy like mm. 
fuck, I wish I could slap younger Andy. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why don't you want to be your best self? Or why don't you care about money or investing or all these cool things? Mm. And then it's just like, who the fuck are you to play God? Like, we're all just like on our paths. And and I love that. Like, Mm. you're just taking different paths because it's not like they're just staying there. They're just going down a different path. And that's cool. Yeah. But I definitely think, like, the people who you hang around with and me just moving to the Gold Coast this year has, like, completely changed, like, who I'm hanging out with. Mm. It is, it is like, almost the only thing that matters, you know, like, because the level of conversation. I went to um, a, a friend of mine does Taco Tuesday once a month. And Yum. she, oh, perfect. And she was just <laughs> um, nominated for Australian Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Whoa. So you can guess, like, the caliber of people in the room are quite high. And so I just get so gassed up after Taco Tuesdays because I'm just there like having such high-level conversations. Most of the time, I'm the smallest person in the room. Mm. And that's daunting as fuck. But at the same time as well, it checks my ego Mm. because there are some rooms that I walk into and I'm the most experienced person in the room. And that, when not, like, when you don't pay attention to that, you can fall in love with that intoxication. Mm. And you're like, yeah, I know all these things. Come learn from me, my plebs. But my plus, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then I step into another room and I'm like, well, I don't even know what that word means. Please like break it down for me. I need a seven page like presentation. (laughs) I need visual cues. (laughs) I need visual cues and I feel like an absolute dummy. And you need that. You need both scenarios. I feel like the balancing of the ego is a really interesting thing because if it gets too big, it's detrimental if it gets too small, it's detrimental. You got to because it's not going it. to feed your like. Because are you saying like if it gets too small, you might not have like the courage to back yourself in the things that you want to do. Yeah, just that like drive and that raw power to go after what you need. Like no mm. one is going to stand there and open a door for you unless mm. you make it super clear. I'm walking through that door, whether you like it or not. Mm. Then that person's like, I admire your courage. I might open it for you. You know what I mean? So you've got to, yeah, you've got to balance that. Um, you c- your ego can't be too big. It can't be too small because it's damaging both ends of the spectrum. You've got to try and find that dance right in the middle. And that's the hardest part because I feel like the ego has been the hardest thing for me to deal with in lots of ways. And like um, I've done lots of like things with psychedelics that have really helped oh, all that cool. as well. Um I'm not sure if that's the topic of your show or anything. I can go for it. (laughs) So my most recent experience, um, I went into like Springbrook Natural Forest, me and like a really good mate. Um, So when you're doing psychedelics, it's really important to focus on your set and your setting. So your set is your mindset, your setting, who you're around, what you're around, the Mm. place that you're in. Um, If you go into a mindset with the mindset of trying to escape and wanting to, you know, yeah escape this world or escape the demons or whatever the demons are going to come after you tenfold in that world same as if you're in if you take it in a place you don't feel safe or if you take it in a place you're not around the right people they're judgy or maybe they make you do stupid things when you're under the influence you're also going to freak out and not feel safe and Mm. you'll have a horrible experience so me and a good mate of mine we've known each other for ages and we just took some acid. We went into the rainforest early in the morning. We hiked as the sun was coming up. We pulled up next to this stream. And we're like, all right, let's take it now. And we just spent all day, literally, I was just 
I was walking around in my underwear. I was like full <laughs> monkey mode. And we just spent all day like making spears and like walking up and down the creek, just sitting there finding mushrooms, like basking in the sunlight, meditating. And it gave me like this realization that nothing matters. Mm. So that was the, that was the big thing that came through to me is like nothing matters. And that sounds like super low key and silly. But at the same time, when you zoom out a little bit, we're a speck in time and space. You know, although it doesn't seem like that because we can only perceive worlds like our world through our five senses here and now. But we are a speck of nothingness in infinite nothingness. So therefore, why not give it your all? And why not embarrass yourself? Why not, you know, do the silly things? Because I know that every time that I've been in a room that I've embarrassed myself, people have remembered me. Mm. You know, I've got on and I've said something stupid that was probably wrong. But when you approach that with confidence, knowing that nothing matters, people are like, wow, he just got up and did that. You know what I mean? He did the funnies. He just did that thing. Like it was a dog's breakfast, but he did it anyway. (laughs) And like they're really coming down to that realization. Like I was meditating on a rock. There was a stream running either side of me like... Sound effects. Sound effects. (laughs) And I had my eyes closed and I was sitting on this hard rock. But because I was just really focusing on my breathing, I was focusing on the sun hitting me. Like, you know, when you close your eyes and you look at the sun, you can still see it through your eyelids. Yeah. And like all those little fairy light things like go off everywhere, like Mm -hmm. the stars. Yeah. Um, That was happening. And then the, the rock just felt so soft. It felt like I was sitting on like a, a big plush cushion. Oh. And I just started like all those little particles in my eyes, like all the little stars and stuff from the sun, started like I started turning into those and just climbing. And I just started like climbing into the sun. And that's when I had the realization that nothing else matters. Well, hey, that's a great song. Um, <laughs> that nothing matters because I was like, well, at the end of the day, the sun is still going to shine. This stream is still going to flow. These birds are still going to chirp. The trees are still going to grow. The caterpillars are still going to eat the leaves. You know, then they're going to turn into butterflies. Whether I get up on stage and say that thing or not, this ecosystem is going to run because it doesn't require me. As much as my ego wants me to think that the world revolves around me, not even my own world revolves around me. Mm. I mean, just to be clear, guys, you, you matter and you are love, but I, I like, mm. as in the whole, like, nothing matters. I'm a big believer in that. I remember, like, mm. it was three years ago when my friend, like, told me that this whole philosopher is a big preacher or whatever, mm. is nothing matters. And then I was like, holy fuck, nothing matters. And I spiraled. And I couldn't sleep that night. And then I went to him and I was like, what the fuck, dude? Why would you say that? Mm. But now, anytime I'm, like, freaking out or, like, overthinking, I just go, Andy. Nothing matters. We're mm. all going to die. And I'm like, oh, like in a good way. Yeah. And I like that you've also taken that like, you're like, it's a good thing because it doesn't fucking matter. So just yeah. do what you want to do because I think so many people get scared. I'm using a lot of hands yeah. right now. <laughs> in an auditory platform. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where no one can see the hands but you. Anyway, I think a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm too scared to start this passion project or I'm too scared to mm. go traveling or I'm too scared to quit my job. But it's like, dude, fucking do it because nothing matters. So you may as well do what you're mm. going to enjoy. Yeah, and I understand that as well. Like I understand that um, mentality because there are also lots of people that want to see you fail. 
You know, there are so many people that want to see you fail. There's so many people that want to see me fail. Really? Not because of you, <laughs> but because of them. Oh, okay. You know, there is lots of people that probably see you doing this podcast. Like, I doubt it that they're listening. Because how many episodes have you done now? Maybe like 20? No, no, 15. There you go. Probably not. All the people that want to see you fail tuned out after episode four. But they tuned in just in the odd chance that it was rubbish and that would make them feel better about themselves. Oh, because they're scared to do it. I don't, yes, I don't think they're necessarily scared. It's when they're coming from a place of um, resentment, they think that the whole world is also coming from a place of resentment. So if I am jealous of your podcast, my podcast is going to suck because I'm spending all my time hoping that your podcast sucks rather than making my podcast great. Yeah. You know, that's coming from a place of resentment. And Mm. like if I was resentful of what you're doing, there's no way on earth I would come here on your podcast. Like Mm. she doesn't deserve my time. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like whereas like when we're coming from a place of like nothing matters, we're all doing this nothingness together and we can just enjoy it then why on earth would I turn down an opportunity to come and have a good conversation with a good person? Mm. It's got nothing to do with, oh, what if she gets good numbers and overtakes me? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's nothing to do with that, but resentment comes into play, a lot of it. And I notice as well, when I am in that state, like it's not something that I do often, but I'm human. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am in that state of resentment, typically with past friends, you know, you find yourself every now and again, every now and again checking up on them, and it's like, oh, they haven't gone anywhere since. I <laughs> but it's like just that little thing as well, feeding the ego, and mm. goes back to what we we're saying before, finding that balance. When the ego topples onto the larger side, you know, it starts to get ugly, and then all of a sudden, I think, oh, I don't have to work as hard because I am me. You know, mm. or then all of a sudden, if it gets too low then you overcompensate and then it's icky and no one wants to do work with you because you're like, stop being so needy, bro. Like, relax. So it comes back to that balance. Nothing matters, but everything matters and you've got to be right in centre. <laughs> the listeners yeah. are like, wait, what? I'm confused now. <laughs> so am I. So <laughs> we live in a constant state of confusion. And as soon as you like acknowledge that and just move on you know, through the fog anyway, then you'll find peace. And I think what we were talking about earlier with like, you know, self-discipline or something, I'm sure we touched on that at some point. Yeah, yeah, we did. Like when you just train your brain into moving forward without seeing the path, like if you can just see the first step, do that. Mm. Just train your brain to do the first step because then the next step will come available. Then train your brain to just keep doing that. And then what you'll find is, you'll no longer be dealing with the problems that you're dealing with now. You'll be dealing with much bigger problems, but different problems. And you're going to be much more capable to deal with them. Yeah, you know, but then we're still going to be dealing with the same problems, like mentally, like when we're dealing with million-dollar mergers or, you know, $10 cash balances, it doesn't matter, like, where we are in that moment in time, the same hormones are triggering, the same mental processes are happening, it just means that we we might be more capable, but that's why we're in the position of doing a million-dollar merger rather than a $10 cash balance because we're more capable, but the same fears are coming up, the same worries, the same insecurities are coming up. Just because we're dealing with bigger problems and we've maybe got a nicer house and a nicer car doesn't mean we're a different person. 
we've just built different pathways in our brain that allow us to get to that bigger position. Whoa, that's so sick. Do you read many books? I only read books. Oh, you only read books? Yeah, I don't watch television. Like books and podcasts, it's always been me. I've never been a movie dude. What's your your favourite books? My favourite book? Um, Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. I've read that six, seven times and it's a fucking thick motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, I think it's like 700 pages. Holy shit. Yeah, like Steve Jobs is my dude. That was the first tattoo I ever got there. Think different. Um, It's a 1997 Apple Computers campaign and it was basically a celebration of all the major thought leaders and there's this incredible kind of quote that Steve Jobs reads reads himself for the TV ads. Um, It's like, here's for the change makers, the crazy ones, the ones that see things differently and I'm just kind of like so infatuated with him because he just didn't take no for an answer. Like he's got this crazy quote in a sense where he's like you don't ask the consumers what they want because they don't know what they want we know what they want and he was just that like self-absorbed in a sense and like it's funny that a lot of this conversation has been about ego because his ego is huge Mm. but his ego is what allowed him to get there Mm. and his ego also allowed so many amazing people to come with him because of his self-assurance and his ability, so many people wanted to please him. So many of his team would go above and beyond to fulfill his wildest dreams. So he had this thing called, um, oh, I'm going to butcher it. Basically what it was is he had like, the, oh, reality distortion field. So he was just so certain on something and he was so persuasive that, you know, if he was sitting across the road from across the table from me and he was that convinced that I could do something, I would fully believe him. It, my entire physiology would be like, yeah, I can do that thing. Like I would completely forget that I, that technology hasn't been invented yet or like I actually have no experience in that particular field, but because he was so enthusiastic and so articulate, in his beliefs and his vision, he, it was actually a thing in Apple that was like spoken of. It's like, oh, he got caught by Steve's reality distortion field, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden he leaves the room and you're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? So it's just that pure passion and that enthusiasm that built Apple into the world's largest company from their like um, garage, literally, you know, but he was kicked out of Apple multiple times. And then every time he was kicked out, the company crumbled. Because it was his passion, his drive and innovation that built the company. Whoa, mm. I didn't know that about good old yeah. Steve. He's an expert marketer as well. Mm, expert, uh, yeah, yeah. Their, their things have, I've, like, I uh, majored in advertising at mm-hmm. uni and I would always like go binge watch all the old ads. Like I'm like, they're so good. Yeah, you probably would have come across the Think Different campaign. <laughs> yeah. It was also, um, it was put out the year I was born, so... Ah, uh, yeah. 1998. Seven. Ah, okay. Close. Yes. <laughs> so you've had your birthday this year? No, November. Oh, that was really, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, kidding. Uh, really bad maths. Yeah. Um, one of my friends is um, a very cool entrepreneur, 
entrepreneurial dude like you as well has this like two businesses and he always says that like you have to have a certain he's in his opinion you got to have a certain level of like arrogance to start something uh because like you at the end of the day you kind of just like got to like there's a bit of arrogance to be like yeah. yeah this will work or people want this yeah and then i'm like is it arrogance or is it like knowing that mm. you have something to give to the world everyone has something to give to the world mm. but just like having that inner knowing and being like fuck it i'm going to share it yeah and that's that's the thing like that was the, that was the hardest thing for me to overcome like the journey because you know i just be like oh just figure it out like you can do it like there's no reason like stop wallowing in your excuses um and i had to remind myself that hey i was blessed by an environment that taught me that excuses are nothing but things that blow in the wind Mm. so i had to like take a step back and go okay well this ego is unnecessary because i've started with a head start there are very few kids that grow up in entrepreneurial families you know and then if you think about like what my kids are probably going to be saying because I'm going to be in a very polite and loving way drilling this shit down their fucking throats. <laughs> like from a young age, it's just going to be, a th- it's and it's going to be natural because it's just going to be the conversations in the household. Yeah. You know, like my girlfriend Jamie and I, we just have these conversations naturally because it's what we're interested in. Yeah, that's so awesome. The household is going to be that way inclined. But I think it's even cooler for someone who didn't come from that outcome that household to build it for themselves but there's lots of insecurity there because you know they they don't because they wasn't instilled from a young age they don't necessarily have that solid foundation of you know acceptance and capabilities that i had because i came from a really nurturing place for this kind of mindset Mm. so yeah i just had to really get shit in perspective and realize that whatever step that someone's taking forward is a huge step from where they are. Yes. You know, rather than just looking at life through my own lens. Like that was, I really had to get empathetic and realize that there's people out there making much bigger steps than I am. They're just coming from a different place, you know, rather than me only focusing on the outcome and race to the finish line. Like it's, it's everybody's journey in, in a sense. It's like if you progress in one generation, you know, you, you take a family out of poverty and then your kids go on to have successful salaries and careers in successful companies. That is far more a leap of success than anything, even if I build a billion-dollar business because I've come from a place of, like, I've come from a really solid entrepreneurial foundation. So for me to go and build a billion-dollar business, it's like, meh. But for someone to come out of poverty and build a solid middle-class life, that is far harder, you know? Mm, because they're, like, choosing to think different to how they were brought yeah. up and choosing to go against the grain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's so good you touch on that because mm. so many people will be brought up with their parents being like, you need to get a good job, you need to be secure, you mm-hmm. need to get this. And in their heart they might be like, fuck, I want to do something different. But then that's all they've known. They've mm-hmm. never been shown a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was raised also with entrepreneurial parents. That's why I was like, surely you've had mm. them too. Um, I just want to finish um, and wrap this up. No, 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 not yet. (laughs) You're like, I'm in the flow. Um, I wanted to touch on, so I listened to the podcast 
episode three of yours before <laughs> the money because you were like, oh, if you really want to get to know me, listen to this. You're on shrooms, I'm pretty yeah. sure, or something. Mushroom. It's so funny though because I actually just learned way more about your co-host, your other, your old co-host, Reese. because you went full podcaster mode and was asking him tons of questions. Yeah. And I was like, no, Jack, I want to learn about you. Anyway, but you ended it with honestly. Did you go back and listen when I messaged you? Okay, you ended it with like the most beautiful thing and it has truly stuck with me and you were saying how like follow your passions because you were given them for a reason and you don't you didn't just magically like think of this idea for no reason it's like it was gifted to you Mm -hmm. and like you should follow your passions because it's going to help the world because you were given it for a reason what do you think about that Smart dude said it. So that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, it's um, but your passions can change at the same time as well. Like, just make sure you're not doing shit you don't want to do for an arbitrary goal that you think you might want to achieve or that someone else wants you to achieve. Mm. Like, I don't believe we only have one life, but as soon as as much as science has proven, we're only here once. You know, um, we are starting to live a lot longer and if we had another podcast i'd get into all longevity and all that kind of shit because that's another passion of mine oh cool but we have one life and then even smaller we have 120s you know our 30s are completely different to when we are in our 20s you know the same way that our 20s are completely different the way we were in our teens Mm. so i think yeah just stop caring so much in, in lots of ways but like just Allow yourself to receive. I don't want to get woo-woo here because I'm as, as much as I love spirituality and stuff, I'm not a woo-woo person. I'm a yep. very much like pull your socks up and do it kind yep. of person. But there is lots that spirituality has to teach us in a sense where like if you're not aligned with your passion and your purpose, everything is going to be pushing a stone uphill. Yes. You know? Yeah. Everything is going to be difficult if you're not aligning yourself with what truly motivates you. Like – Work shouldn't feel like work. You know, even the concept of work is disgusting. It's like work should feel like creation and connection if you're doing it in a thing that you love. If you love bricklaying and you find so much peace and mastery in building a brick wall, that's not work. It might be physically stressing on the body, but it's not work. The same way that I love sitting down and podcasting. This is work, apparently, <laughs> but it's not, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I don't, I don't ever see it that way. And it's the same as like when you're building a business, like when you're doing things out of passion, you don't mind in the early stages doing free work, doing promo work, all that kind of stuff, which is all necessary. And I wish we kind of touched on that actually because that's a very important part of the journey. But We can touch on it now. We can. <laughs> do free work for the right people and do not do free work for the sake of exposure. Do the free work for the right people. And it does take a little bit of time to know who the right people are because it comes with wisdom, all that kind of stuff. Like so m- I've done so much free work for like promo with people with vanity metrics, but someone with followers doesn't necessarily mean that their followers will contribute to your business. But at the same time, there might be one person that follows them that explodes your business. So Mm. put your ego aside and do some free work. I still do free work. 
you know, to this day for the right person. That, that client I spoke about early on that I just got off a sales call with, that started with free work and now we're on a big package. Yeah. So know who is worth doing free work for. Uh, I do free work for Morgan all the time, you know, but he pays me dividends with so many connections. Um, but yeah, on back onto the topic of passion to wrap this up. It's literally the only thing that matters. So find it. Um, and if something is not like 100% lighting you up, like even if you've spent money in a business and stuff like that, if it's not 100% lighting you up, pull the cord and transition. But just like everything I've said today, there are two sides to the coin. Do not pull the cord if you're just running away from hard work. Mm, okay. you, know, you have to really spend some time to get to know yourself and find just know when things are worth slogging it out for and when things are worth like tossing it in for so yeah but at the same time as well just you have to be doing things that truly ignite you because otherwise what is it all for yeah 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 literally i love that holy schnitzels um is there anything else you'd like to add you're the host (laughs) yes i am um well i am very grateful that i went to the dream fest because that's where i got to Mm. meet you but as we were talking today i literally was like having a full circle moment because i remember when i listened to an episode that you did um i just found your podcast because you had this certain guest on it and um I remember listening and thinking fuck this guy is so good and I'm like fuck, I really want to get him on my podcast one day and I was like oh I don't know if you'd say yes and then when I saw you at Dreamfest, I was like oh my god you're kidding gotta shoot your shot yeah I gotta yeah. shoot your shot and then when I asked you and you were like yeah sure I was like oh wow I really appreciate that yeah. but and then I was also like when I yeah first listened to that podcast episode I was like oh man it'd be so cool to like meet this guy one day and and get tips from him and then I'm like oh my god I'm podcasting him like Mm. how crazy is that I'm like I swear I manifested this So where is this podcast going for you What's the next milestone Okay well I probably won't keep this in but yeah. um the whole like what I really want is to yeah branch off and like teach people Why would um, you not keep this in Uh I don't know you scared of being held accountable? Uh, no, I actually thrive a lot better when I'm like, when I am like, I'm going to do this and then I do it. And then I tell people versus telling people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I personally have found I just don't deal well with pressure. And so when I put it out to the world, mm-hmm. it'll, it's a lot less, it's a lot more likely to happen if I'm like, I'm going to do this. Okay. So okay. it's what we spoke about earlier to save you having to cut this out. There is something huge coming from you in the future that's connected to the podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> Stay tuned. But um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And your mind is like freaking mind-blowing. And I well, like am keen to just keep listening to your podcast and, and learning more from you. Um, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, Instagram. Uh, Before the Money is the podcast. Uh, my personal is Jack William. Um, you'll see me. I think it's underscore Jack William. Uh, clothing brand, Anarchy Label. And yeah, stay tuned. I don't know where we're going, but it's big. Ah, I love it. Thank you so much. Um, if you guys did enjoy this, feel free to screenshot it, put it on your story and tag us as we'd love to see who is listening. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode.
Bye. <laughs>